You are listening to It's Midnight Somewhere with DJs Mistress McCutcheon and The Wasteland. It's midnight somewhere. It's midnight. It's midnight Hi, this is Mistress McCutcheon coming to you from downtown Toronto in the 470th day of March. I'm accompanied by my co-host, The Wasteland. Hi, March. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I got. (laughs) Wow. Keep it in. Let's go. And today for our episode, we are with a special guest, a voice who you've already heard on the podcast many, many, many times because she is the musician behind our theme music, the front woman of Cockatoo and guitarist for Bloody Blue Darlings. Please welcome Robin Bright. Hello. So we wanted to have an opportunity to chat with you on the show and talk about music and talk about what you've been up to and uh, and all that stuff. So just to get us started, you've actually just come to us before the podcast from a rehearsal. How have you been? How has it been working out during uh, during this pandemic with uh, working with your band? Um, well, we haven't been doing much. Uh, Cockatoo is kind of on hiatus. I've been doing some writing. But because um, Chris and I live together with Bloody Blue Darlings uh, and Jay's in our bubble, um, the three of us have just started again last week. Nice. Which has been good. Yeah. I was going to say, how, are you using Zoom? Does that work? Um, we've had a practice here and there, but it, it's been basically since March. I mean, our last shows uh, were last year. Wow. <laughs> oh, time. <laughs> No, wait. That No, your last show must have been New Year's last year. It had to be New Year's Eve last year. Yeah. Yeah, because I was at that show. That's true. That's true. That that I, I was very lucky last year to have an actual birthday before the pandemic really took hold of the entire world and everything shut down. Yeah, and fuck you for that. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm still bitter. My birthday happened right after shutdown. Like within within oh, the month, no. <laughs> I was like, "Cool for my birthday, I get to get up and sit on the couch like every other day." <laughs> that sucks. So, since the pandemic had struck, how have you been managing? How have you been spending your time, like getting inspiration, writing, working on music, or has it been not at all? Uh, I think there were different phases. To be honest, at first, um, basically not at all. Um, and I kind of experienced what a lot of people did, which is just the schedules got more and more nocturnal days bleeding into each other. But then after a while, you get a little tired of that. And, uh, I started, I don't know, just reading more again and finding things that, uh, I used to really enjoy that, uh, weren't online. And, uh, as soon as I started doing that, then I started, um, writing Again, a lot of times I write lyrics first, so I've I've had a lot of lyrics popping in my head um, recently. So it's it's sort of it's coming back now. But uh, at the beginning, definitely I wasn't able to do any music, and I wasn't able to process anything really musically. Hmm. Yeah, that's fair because I've been finding it to be a bit of a mixed bag with various artists where folks have been appreciative to have the time to 
uh, settle in and just get some work done while other folks haven't been able to haven't been able to get the inspiration, haven't really had the drive to create because we're all kind of experiencing this collective trauma and it's it's just been tricky. Yeah, I mean, I was always someone who was pretty happy to get up and start writing right away. Um, but over the last few years, I think with just with work and routine in general, I've, I've been doing that less and less. So the cool thing about this is it's kind of given me a chance to get back to that. Unfortunately, with my work, I'm still at work. So it's actually been very draining. Um, I actually got really sick with quite possibly COVID. Uh, one of my coworkers had COVID. So um, Chris and I were both sick actually for quite a while and my energy was just gone. But uh, now that it's come back, then I'm, I feel all inspired to play and just get back to things more than I have in a long time. So it was kind of good in the long run. Well, that's that's good to hear. So I, I guess I guess the question top of mind, I think a lot of our listeners would would probably want to know is what how what was the creative process behind the theme music? Like, how did that come about? Because if you haven't written much and uh, that's probably one of the newest things you've written and had people hear. Yeah, um, I have no problem writing music. Generally, it's just a matter of sitting down and doing it. Once I sit down, I generally don't have any sort of typical writer's block. So yeah, once I have, I'm in the studio, that's pretty easy for me. Writing's always been easy that way. I've never really run into writer's block per se. Cool. But I do, I do require a structure. I, I do require just sitting down and doing it. Kind of like a lot of writers say, you have to just sit down and face the, the blank page. Oh God, I've spent many days doing that. I don't write music, but I've I've written things and I can't even tell you how many times I've sat there for like four hours staring at a blank laptop like, what am I doing? Yeah. I mean, just, well, once I have everything set up and I'm, I'm good to go, I don't really have that. I guess the other thing with my process is that I generally, I really like reading uh, interviews with visual artists um in the last few years and that's actually something from rich from ham says um we had talked a lot about visual art and uh i find that super inspiring uh so if i do have a writer's block i'll generally look at visual art and read you know the philosophies behind it and it usually gets me pretty fired up about ideas do you have a particular go-to artist no i mean i <laughs> no not really but i guess also having a deadline uh is also a big driver to get something done where you're like, okay, I really have to sit down and do this. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> That's the structure I need. Gotcha. Yeah. Cause I mean, the podcast launched just a little bit before we were in our very first of many lockdowns here in Toronto. And uh, cause Jay and I, I think have only recorded a podcast together in the same room twice yep. since March and uh, and and having the the theme music, we we had had that in advance of that, so that we could get everything rolling and get everything together. So uh, and and it's been it's been fantastic. I mean, I'm really grateful to have an original piece that was that was made for us, and again representing 
local talent and uh, and especially female fronted bands because that's always something that I look for uh, with musicians is looking for more female fronted acts because it's it can be a real mixed bag as far as how many how many female musicians can be more towards the front or if they're taken as seriously or if the credit is there in your experience in in being in various bands have you ever had any issues because you're a woman and you're a musician has anybody ever like not taken you seriously or given you shit for it Oh, yeah. I mean, when I first started, um, (laughs) (laughs) when I first started Call With You, um, I was at a point where I wanted to, I had an idea of this band. I didn't know how to execute it, but I thought, well, I have these songs. I really want to explore the post-punk goth sound more. And... um, I didn't really have a lot of confidence. So I thought, well, I'll get the best musicians I can find in Edmonton. And if they don't want to play with me, then I'll just give up and I'll move on. And so I I did end up playing with two musicians who were really well respected already in their own rights, who were 20 years older than me. And um, so a lot of times I would show up for sound check And the sound guy wouldn't even talk to me because they thought I was, you know, Rod's girlfriend or something. And I I had to really assert that, no, he's my bass player or, you know, Alan's my drummer. I ran into a lot of that. It it was uh, constantly frustrating. (laughs) I could bet. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and and even, I mean, even with the side project with Rich – I, I did co-write a lot of that music, but a lot of interviews basically said, oh, female vocals. Right. You know? Whereas I may have like actually written drums, bass, guitar uh, alongside, you know, bouncing ideas back and forth or the full structure. You know, it, it does get very down to, oh, female vocalist with accomplished musician. Right. So, yeah, I went into it a lot. <laughs> what side uh, project was that? Well, that was for Hamsa's. Okay. That's with Rich from the Wake. You know, and the other thing is that there's a lot of pressure to be also fit into the hot female singer, too. Um, so there's, I mean, I think both, I think everyone experiences that to a degree, but I think there is a little extra pressure for women. Uh, and then if people do connect to the music, they can get possessive. So there's, there's all sorts of weird things with, with being female in music, I think. Huh. Yeah. It really sucks to hear that even in this day and age. Cause I mean, here we are at 2021 and we're still talking about it, but it is still very much an issue where men and women or even female presenting artists are not being taken seriously or given the credit and respect that they are due. And it's, it's, it's frustrating, but I, I hope in having these sorts of conversations that we can continue keeping that on people's minds that, hey, you know, this is a this is a real problem. This is a thing. And hopefully we can kind of move past this, that we can get over this. I mean, I, I think there are steps forward, but I, I think that with music, it tends to tap into, um, you know, people's emotions and people's. I mean, it depends on what kind of music you do, but I mean, with with my music, I I find if it triggers emotions, it can bring up a lot of unconscious 
baggage with people. And, you know, you have to kind of accept that too. You know, if you're going to go there, otherwise just write a dance music album and, you know, get on with it. But if you're writing anything that you want to resonate with people, it's going to resonate in places that are hurt. And sometimes those places are not pretty. <laughs> so you have to be aware of that too. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's pretty fair. Yeah. You had started Cockatoo in Edmonton. And then yeah. you came to, when did you come to Toronto? Uh, 2014, I think. I'm in 2015. I, I actually, it was, I can't even remember. A few years ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, time doesn't have any meeting anymore. So it's, it's complicated. I am very Aquarius. So like, I don't know, a few years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Everything a few years ago. We finally found somebody who's been here less time than me. <laughs> yeah, hey. it's like, well, it was out. After the big snow out west, no. <laughs> what was your What was your drive to come to Toronto? Oh well, I originally was. Uh, I moved to, to Toronto when I was fifteen with my my parents, my mom, and uh, I had gone to a year of high school here, and then had stayed while my family had moved back west. I lived in Kensington, so I mean, I this was where I was from, really. I started playing music mm -hmm. in Toronto originally, and uh, and then I went back out west for my family uh, for about 10 years. And really, it was the isolation of going from living in Kensington Market and just doing really cool things. I, I was an apprentice in a salon that did music videos for people like Bowie, so I was working on all this really neat stuff. And um, then I moved to a snowfield in the middle of Edmonton with nothing and I didn't drive. So, um, I had a lot of time to work on music. Hmm. That sounds completely depressing. It, it, it wasn't because I allowed myself time to develop the sound that I wanted and I made a lot of really good online friendships. So that's where I first met like Mick Mercer or Paul Devine. Um, yeah, like long time, friendships happen at that period because I wanted to know more about the subculture than I already knew. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, I was pretty isolated. So it was kind of a really good creative time for me. Well, that's, that's a definite upshot. Yeah. <laughs> oh, for yeah. sure. I, I always laugh. There's that, um, cure video where they're, um, wearing mittens and hats. Um, and I just remember they had the chimes in the beginning and they're wearing, yeah, parkas and they're in the snow. And uh, it it kind of was exactly where I was at at that time in these like snowy fields wearing like my goth clothes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I remember when I had met you, uh, it was actually here in Toronto. You had opened up for the mission. Yeah, they flew us out for that. Can you tell us a little bit more about how that came about? Yeah, I mean, the thing about cockatoo is we didn't fit in anywhere. So... We'd always get these weird shows, like, for a long time, because they were all black, the bookers uh, would say, okay, well, you must be metal. So I'd play with all these, like, insane metal bands. But Edmonton has a really strong industrial scene. So I have friends, Scott, and I have Arden Sphere, and then my friend Seb is in Icon of Coil. And I, there's just a lot of... Rod, my first bass player... Um, was in a band with Dwayne from Skinny Puppy. So there's a lot of that side of music there. Um, so we would get these weird shows. I mean, 
we played with um, the Romantics. I was on the New Model Army uh, booking twice. Uh, they were one of my favorite bands, but uh, both times they fell through. Um, Brian Jonestown Massacre. So, like, we would get these big shows, and and they were pretty diverse bands. Um, but when I heard the mission was coming, I messaged uh, Julianne Reagan from All About Eve because we were friends uh, again online. And she gave me the contact info, and I, I just wrote to them and said, listen, the mission were one of the main reasons why I started Cockatoo, like the Chameleons, the mission, bands like that. And uh, I would really love to open for you guys. And I didn't hear anything, so I just thought, well, at least I tried. And then uh, like six weeks before the show, they, they asked us if we would fly out for it. So we did. Wow. Actually, the band didn't want to go because they thought uh, it wasn't worth their time. And so I told them I would hire <laughs> hire a new band. <laughs> so they came. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> you go or you're fired. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, it, you know, I'm, 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 uh, it's hard for me to be really assertive in some ways, but that was one show where it's like, I don't care. I will find the musicians and do this show because. I wrote all the songs anyways. I, I play them all on guitar. So I knew I could find a bass player and a drummer and pull it off. But luckily my band came. So it was even better. <laughs> but Was that before you added keys or because Cockatoo has keys. If I'm, I might be mistaken. I've only seen you once. Once in a while. <laughs> uh, so Justin's in Cockatoo, I think, for the most part, playing bass. Uh, Mikey is on guitar. I'm on guitar, and uh, we kind of have a rotation of drummers. So, and we we do have keyboards once in a while, but uh, it's always kind of evolving with Cockatoo. I, I've kind of come to the idea that it's it is like Robert Smith in The Cure, where like he and Simon are the longest standing members. I mean, this is just going to rotate members. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, as things kind of evolve and depending on where you are and, and who's writing and what's going on, uh, I can see where members can vary up from from uh, era to era of the band, for sure. Yeah, and I mean, generally, I get these amazing musicians playing with me who are in other projects. So I, I'm not possessive that way. It's just like, I hope they'll stay with me as long as possible. But I mean, realistically, the reason why they're amazing is because they're doing all these other projects, too. So you can't really be too precious about it. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's true. That's a really cool outlook, actually. Yeah, I mean, it's a good way to um, to meet lots of great people. And I, I wasn't comfortable being a leader for a long time. I was trying to be democratic, but um, I had some total disasters with that. So I've kind of learned now to be more comfortable there. But it, it's taken me a long time. So how did Bloody Blue Darlings come about? I saw my friend Pete Hudson's band at uh, the Horseshoe. Pete's like, he was friends with Genesis Peorage and like his amazing legendary Nash the Slash. He, he, he's a co-worker that I just immediately really liked. Um, and so his band was playing and I went, I just moved here. I didn't know anyone really. And I saw a guy that I thought was Jay Falk. Um, so when Jay came into the store, into the guitar shop, 
Um, I'm pretty shy usually, but I, I was like, oh, hey, you were the guy at the horseshoe. Um, I think he was wearing a cramp shirt or a Nick Cave shirt or something. And, and uh, he's like, no, it wasn't. Do you want to be in my band? (laughs) 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 That's so random. Yeah. And and I never would have said yes before because I cockatoo was always my main thing. And I've never been in another band. Uh, I've never played guitar except for the music I've written. Um, But I decided when I moved here, I wanted to uh, branch out and, uh, Jay's music was all the stuff I always wished I wrote, you know, like the cramp style and, and, uh, just more fun and cool than, uh, cockatoo. <laughs> so, uh, I locked out and then, um, yeah, we've, I've been in the band ever since pretty much. I, I left for a while. I, I had some health, uh, fun times and left the band, but then when I was gone, I missed the band so much, uh, that I realized it's kind of a lifetime thing for me. <laughs> <laughs> so random. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so he basically said on first meeting, "Hey, you want to be in my band?" Band, and your thought was, "Ah, fuck it." Yeah, and the thing is, I've been asked to be in a lot of bands, and I've said no every single time. Like, it doesn't matter how good they are. And there was just something so random about seeing Jay. Is like, yeah, of course I'll be in your band. <laughs> like, what's your name again? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then of course that's that's how I met Chris too. So it's pretty big choice there wow (laughs) for folks who haven't heard cockatoo or bloody blue darlings or any of your work what would be the introductory song or piece that you'd want to play for them Ooh, that's a hard one i would probably say um white picket fence from the first ep
you mentioned the mission and the chameleons were really influential in the creation of Cockatoo. What bands currently are you really interested in? I've been listening to a lot of bands like Ponds um, out of Oakland. And there's another band. They're also out of Oakland. I, I constantly forget their name. Hang on. They're in my playlist. Yeah, a lot of Oakland bands I'm digging because they kind of have the punk ethos with the goth atmosphere. I, I, I get a little tired of um, too much synth-driven music, so I, I really like that mix of, you know, driving live drums. Yeah, I, I, I just like punk goth is kind of where my heart is, I think. Okay, yeah. So it's False Figure. Ooh. All their albums. And then Horror Vacui has been on high rotation. I still love Sextile a lot. I listen to them a lot. Um, I do have Panther Modern, but there's something about Sextile that just, I don't know. One of their members died and uh, a side project is Panther Modern. Yep. Um, yes. But it's just not quite as driving, I think. It's, I think it's more my speed. It's more electronic than Sextile was in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I do like electronic music, but um, yeah, I don't know. Right now, I'm just craving that kind of bashing drums. Um, mm. Or at two is amazing. So yeah, that's that's mainly, and always a place to break strangers, soft moon, stuff like that. So, I mean, Jay at practice tonight said I was very ethereal and I got crossed because I don't feel ethereal. <laughs> well, I think there's a time and a place. I mean, because it's kind of like what Jay and I have been doing with our live streams is that, is that prophecy or psalms uh, on Friday nights are our dance party. And when we want to do something that is more ethereal or ambient or more down tempo-y kind of stuff, that's where we do our little pop-up afternoon streams with Esoterica. Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny because I've heard interviews with Cocteau Twins uh, where they talk about how they really didn't feel like they were ambient either. They they really felt like they're they're coming from a punk ethos as well. So it is funny. I mean, there's just our self-perception and then how it actually comes out can be so different. Yeah. yeah, that's actually a really good point. I mean, but with Cocteau Twins, you could hear the heavier edge. Like you listen to a song of theirs like Blood Bitch, and it's yeah. far more driving and more, it's heavier, but it's still very Cocteau Twins. And then the fact that Cocteau Twins was such a massive influence on the birth of Shoegaze. Yeah, but those are all very atmospheric and people tend to think of it as that rather than coming from a punk background, I think. But they are totally punk. I mean, most punk bands aren't punk anymore, so. It's true. Mostly, like, like yeah. if you go back and you listen to some of the classics, um, like the New York Dolls and a lot of people, like, this isn't really punk. Yeah. Uh, it, <laughs> it's so funny. It really kind of fucking is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I yeah. think, I, and I think nowadays with the, with the sort of DIY nature and what could be considered more punk, uh, music can take a totally different route because like you listen to seventies punk and how incredibly tame it is by today's standards, like listening to the Ramones, listening to Blondie or talking heads where, you know, it was pretty outstanding for its time. But nowadays it's kind of like, okay, but 
you get into other sorts of genres that get more quote unquote punk because there's more of this destructive sort of like fuck establishment, fuck, you know, any standards. And you, you can get yourself into a place like power noise and, and rhythmic noise and things like that. Or as, as another local DJ might argue vaporwave because it's the deconstruction of music. Although I think vaporwave is garbage. <laughs> and I'm not sorry. I don't know, because I also view punk as very tribal. Yes. Uh, It's not just dismantling, but it's also uh, a safe place in a way. I mean, it's not safe, but, you know, you you go to a punk show. Yeah, you might get hit in the face from a, you know, fist or something. Someone's dancing. But, I mean, it's relatively safe to really vent your frustrations with everything. So, I... I don't think it's just dismantling because it's sort of a, yeah, tri- more tribal to me anyways. I think that's a really good point, actually, because, yeah, I mean, you recognize your own. And yeah. going the last punk show that I have been to was seeing Flag at the Opera House. And it was brilliant because I was watching the show from the balcony and the sh- it just... It really brought me to a great place and watching the pit in front of the stage and how people were just letting loose, having fun, getting out whatever energy they had. And then, oh, somebody fell quick, pick them up, take care of each other. And it was such a great (laughs) feeling and such a great vibe because it's angry. But at the same time, do not fuck with our people, you know, like we recognize our own. And that tribal sense, I think, is a really good point. Yeah, I mean, I I think things like vaporwave or like other aesthetic. I, I view it more as dystopian um, echoes, almost of culture. I don't know. I it, it's not like I don't know. It's so opposite of like a new model army concert or something. I guess. Oh, it's it's, 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 it's so more good. isolated. Someone in their room. To me, anyways. Um, being nostalgic for something in the past, whereas to me, punk is like wanting things to get better by wrecking things in a way. You have to uh, destroy to create, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There's a different. I mean, I, I find vaporwave to me has got a more of a melancholy to it. That's fair, and I think that's also more um, forgiving than Laura or I would weigh in with. <laughs> yeah i i just i had to mention another band another track i've been listening to a lot is uh death by discotech by a disjecta membra heard that no i'm sure you have but i I have that on constant replay too oh maybe we should drop that in here yeah it's such a great track I fucking hate, fucking hate all of this dark dance music. I fucking hate, fucking hate, fucking dark dance music. I fucking hate, fucking synth pop, fucking gothic glow sticks, fucking synth pop, fucking EDM, fucking dark dance music. I fucking hate, fucking hate all of this dark dance music. I fucking hate, fucking hate, fucking dark dance music. I fucking hate, fucking synth pop, fucking gothic glow sticks, fucking synth pop, fucking EDM, fucking dark dance music.
traders because they're local peeps and good 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 local musicians oh really good actually i kind of love them i do too i am so bummed i have not seen them live that's right you weren't here when they played with actors 
you had uh, decided to gallivant somewhere else and then the world ended. <laughs> oh, I know. Uh, like, boohoo, first world problems. I happened to be in Scotland at the time, so I missed that show. Because I, I was lucky enough that I got to DJ for boot blacks and actors. And I was like, what needs to be a bill is boot blacks, actors, and traders. And then all of a sudden, traders and actors were were in Together. August. Yep. And I was gone. And I didn't see it. And that was a bummer. Sucks well, to traders be you. Were, uh, Laura, you remember that uh, night we we did at uh, Painted Lady? Traders. Yes. Just, just right before. Which ah. is- how I thought about playing there. And then I saw them at the garrison with, uh, uh, with actors. my friend's band Wasn't has it? snow in the album. Um, anyways, my friend Tim's band, uh, and, and they were just fantastic live. And for two people to pull off that kind of live energy was really inspiring to me because, you know, I do tend to think, yeah, you need the big drum kit. You need, everything on stage and they they did pull it off with just the two of them and it was massive sounding and amazing wow it wasn't all pre-recorded you know it was it had a lot of vitality to it yeah that's actually that's a really big deal when you're going to see a show it it really sucks when you see somebody just bleeping and blooping in front of a laptop, which yeah. is why the desire to see a full band and to see and- someone actually playing all these different, you know, see the, the five piece, the four piece, the six piece, whatever it is, seeing people actually play instruments. It's always such a pleasure, but it's it's difficult because when you're touring with X amount of people and you're doing all sorts of different shows and you're traveling, it, it gets really expensive really fast yeah but i mean you were at the theater of hate show i mean you get a band like that nothing will ever compare to that i mean the 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 driving sounds of those drums i don't know oh worth it theater hate i just i i really do love bands that i mean when we were on tour in europe uh everywhere all the festivals were like what do you mean you need a live drum kit no one plays live drum kits and then you <laughs> see a band like Gate, and it's like this is why i do this you know um it's amazing when a band like traders can pull it off but for cockatoo i want the tribal aspect i want the you know the pounding of the drums I, yeah. Sorry. No, I, I understand that. I was just going to say, in, in defense of the bleeping and blooping, it comes down, like, certain acts do it really well. Uh, and, you know, there's stuff going on and there's stuff to see and they learn how to perform like their laptop, I guess. And then there are other acts where it's just like, that's just a dude standing on stage. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's fair. That's so, fair. I d- you know, and and I definitely under I've been to a lot of shows where like that's literally just a dude standing on stage, and I don't like seeing those bands yeah. again. So there is something to be said for seeing a full band or even even a two piece that pulls it off well, like Traders or Wingtips is another one that comes to mind because yeah, I, they did an yes, band, but um, they they play a lot of different instruments and and it's really it's not all pre recorded. I think that's where the problem comes. When there's a lot of uh, backing tracks, I think you lose some energy and effort to match it all up. Yeah, it's only bad if the uh, the CD starts skipping. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> well, nobody wants to go to karaoke. Nobody, nobody wants, wants to, go. to go to the karaoke show. I don't know. Andrew yeah. still sells tickets. Uh, Barf. Uh. <laughs> 
yeah but but that's also that's that is a really good point though it's really tough where there are certain acts that can really pull off the energy and have a really strong show without necessarily having a layout of all the instruments um Hyde is another example of a duo that can pull off a show that is just the two of them on stage. And it's such an engaging and cathartic show. Um, But at the same time, there's such an appreciation to seeing live instruments and and bringing up that theater of hate show. Yeah, the theater of hate is the type of band that I want to see every night. Like I could watch that show live every night because they were just so good. They're so strong, yeah. and the performance live is just so good. They're, they're kind of like what I want to be when I grow up, basically. Um, but yeah, I think it is it is the passion of the musicians, too. Like, if, if it does make a huge difference, it probably doesn't matter what instruments you're using, but how you're using them. And how you and perform. Yeah. Yeah, performance yeah. is definitely something I've, I've learned is a lot harder than it looks. You know, streaming uh, DJ sets, it's like, okay, now I'm performing. It's like, okay, I got to get up and I might be tired and maybe my back's a little sore from work, but I got to fucking move. I can't just stand there and be a dude on the laptop. I don't think, like, for my, in my experience, performing isn't hard that way. Because once you're playing the music, it takes over, kind of. Okay. I feel that way. I feel that way. Yeah, like it's really super energizing for me to be singing and playing if I've had enough rehearsal and it's it's comfortable in my body. If I'm worried about what I'm playing on guitar while singing, then um, it, it can take away from that. But if I've had enough rehearsal time where it's really comfortable, you know, muscle memory for me to be playing guitar. Yeah, I just I love it up there and I'm a very awkward person in my day to day life, but uh getting on stage is like super kind of natural feeling for me i guess i feel actually more awkward you know in my day-to-day life Hmm. i mean i guess it's all about where you're comfortable yeah yeah and it's funny jay that you mentioned being uh having to all of a sudden become a performer as a dj because i mean musicians yes you're front and center and people are there to see you and DJs, you're kind of in the background and you shouldn't really be noticed unless you fuck up. And then it's bad that you've you fucked up. Everybody noticed and boo. But uh, DJ uh, live streaming, like everything that's been going on on Twitch is, has totally changed the game. Robin, would you consider doing performances on Twitch with your band? Yeah. Has that been a consideration? Yeah. I, I mean, we were asked by uh, the Piston to do it. Um, yeah, for sure I would. Um, I, I guess I'm rooting to go again. So it, it's been on a long enough break that maybe six months ago, I would have said no. Um, but having seen the DJs on Twitch and how awesome it's been just to know the underground is thriving and to have kind of the, the fingers on the thread to that underground, kind of like the old days of the internet, um, has really helped me cope with everything that's going on to know that there's new growth happening. So I think I've changed in regards to that. I think six months ago I would have said no. And now I would say yes. Interesting. Yeah. It's just (laughs) taken some time. I think a lot of us though are, are raring up to get vaccinated and to move forward with life. (laughs) Christ. Yeah. 
not even religious, but I'm going to start swearing on all the gods. <laughs> I I mean, do you guys, I kind of feel like I'm kind of grateful to have had this time at the same time. Like I, I find more people are playing music now because um, I work in guitars. So uh, while the pros are completely fucked, like my friends who had huge tours booked in Europe are fucked. Um, a lot more of the sort of hobby players are playing now, which has been interesting. There's definitely been a shift that's happened. I mean, I really enjoyed staying home. I stayed home for seven weeks with Chris um, in the first wave, and I loved it. I did not mind not leaving. I was happy to just, you know, read and write and work on music. So I don't know. There's the I, I do miss everyone, but kind of it's been an interesting time. Oh, that's for sure. And I mean, there is going to be a big cultural shift in moving forward because I really hate when people are saying, well, when we go back to normal, because it's been pretty clear that there was a lot of things within our society that wasn't working and that needs to be fixed. So I don't want to go back to I don't want to go back to shit. I want things to move forward. I want things to get better. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I, I think that art in general, music in general, will always be a part of rebuilding. Um, you know, like when I first moved here, Queen Street was really cool because all the artists were there and they had their little, you know, boutiques that they painted all weird. And, and um, you know, it was just so far away from what it is now, which is condos in an outdoor mall. I think that some of that will be coming back because there's going to be a lot more, well, unfortunately, empty spaces for rent. But I think people have had time to think about what they actually want to do as well. Yeah, there's definitely been pros and cons. And I'm very grateful for the the pros in that it has brought a lot of people together. It's brought a lot of underground folks together. I'm so yeah. grateful for the friends and the the DJs who I've gotten to to meet online and be able to listen to various people playing and and making those connections has been really valuable. So I, I'm only hoping that in moving forward that yeah, that we'll all be able to get to meet in person and be able to create new things. Yeah, I mean, another side point for me is that during this pandemic, you know, in the first wave, I kind of just let myself, you know, drink more drinks than normally drink, like stay up to all hours and just go with that for a while. And that was great. But I also found that point where um, I wanted to just get back to the very beginning of things like when I started Cockatoo, how I felt without, you know that chaos and so it's kind of been an interesting returning back to my roots in a weird way because i had time to to lose structure uh, it, it allowed me at least to begin to uh to unbury things that got buried under you know having to work so much and and all the you know busyness of day-to-day life where you don't get to necessarily thrive as an artist or even really as a person, because yeah. I mean, yeah, I I would agree with that. Like like, or the the way I would put it is, it almost felt like um, the first wave. It was like being in college again, almost. You know, it was just, yeah. stay up all night, drink too much, 
uh, regret yeah. it the next day. It doesn't matter. Do it again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, not the exactly. wisest of decision making. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, it, it's an interesting, um, you know, to just find your own parameters and all that and, and um, decide what you want, not because you have to go to work, but, be, you know, just because of how you feel is an interesting uh, experience that we don't actually get most of the time. We're just too busy. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. Everything on pause. Yeah. Everything on pause. I have nothing to do but sit here with my thoughts. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. 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 I don't, I don't think it's on pause, though. I really see, like, last year was the decimation or the, like, the forest fire. I feel like this year is going to be the sowing of the seeds, and next year will probably be some germination. I like that. I can only hope that that is the case. And this is why you're the songwriter, because I'm like, that's all very poetic. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. No, no, it's fine. It was, it was, it's, it's rather cool. This is why I don't write music because I, I don't have a poetic bone in my body. All my bones are sarcasm. (laughs) This is why I'm awkward a lot of the time because yeah, I just expect other people. Yeah. <laughs> are poetic too. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, like and sense like, and it's just funny when you take certain things for granted and you, you but wait, do, doesn't everybody see things like that? And I, yeah. I guess not as many people are lucky because they're not as creative or, or folks who don't think that they're creative, but they have a certain creative outlet that they excel at. And, that really shines out. So, yeah, I mean, it's been interesting with me with work because my my work's getting more and more trying to be more and more corporate. So I I, I work in a guitar shop, but you know they're really and they they just want to be bigger and, and more corporate. And I work as musicians, so it's this really weird um, tension between artistic and and being stuck in this you know sort of musician but sort of corporate world Mm -hmm. Um, and I find that I have much less tolerance for anything corporate now I just don't have the time for it I'm tired of it I don't have the tolerance and I'm starting to realize for myself that you know creativity is something I've always had to stifle to fit into this day-to-day work thing I've never really uh, had a job where I can use it and so even things like that I'm starting to reevaluate like you know okay my brain doesn't doesn't uh, fit into this uh, you know I'm, I'm not going to get the employee of the month award next month because I probably uh, asked too many weird questions or, you know, had too many weird ideas. Um, and I spent a long time feeling bad about stuff like that. And now I, I feel like COVID's changed that. And I'm just like, fuck that. My brain is my brain. And, and really our culture is not doing well with that structure. So now I kind of am hoping more people will be comfortable being themselves that way, if that makes sense. No, it does. It does. Yeah, no, I it does. Because that and, and the whole corporate structure, the drive is because you need to make money. 
because, you know, the true religion of the world, capitalism, requires you to just keep making more money. And it can be really stifling to the creative process and how people are creative. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, they only want you to appear creative, not actually be creative. Yes. Um, but, and also, the, the, the way they handle, you know, not just my work, but, I mean, Jay, you've been through this. I think most people working in Toronto have been to a degree is like, they really don't care about the people working. They just care about the business surviving. So, you know, I got, I basically got COVID. Um, it wasn't confirmed, but we had all the same symptoms, same length of time, everything as the people who were confirmed at work, um, who also had a negative test, which we did too. So it's just, you know, the idea that, we're supposed to just keep the wheels going um, becomes really apparent in times like this, I think, where you're, the employee, employer doesn't really care in the long run how you're doing yeah. as long as you're making the dollars at the end of the day. And that was pretty eye-opening. I mean, I, I think I was always aware of that, but I've gone from being kind of passively a part of that to feeling really raw and ready to change things which is fair i'm kind of lucky my yeah. my my direct boss actually and even like like her boss are both pretty compassionate people so oh yeah i mean my managers are super compassionate yeah. too yeah like for sure it's, like it's the, the people i actually work with are but it's the the structure that they have to work within that isn't yeah I, I don't know. I, I think I get a little bit, sometimes I feel like I get a bit, bit more leeway being a dude. That, and I'm a dude who tends to speak his mind and call out bullshit the second I see it. So, uh, <laughs> I, uh, yeah. I don't, I don't keep my mouth shut. <laughs> I'm bad at that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the people in my work who weren't comfortable, you know, just aren't working there now. So they, a lot of them have moved out of Toronto. Right. But I mean, I have to say like my, my actual coworkers and my actual managers are, have been amazing. So I'm not trying to throw them under the bus. It's just that you become aware that what you're working for, what you come home exhausted for, um, it's not for you. Oh yeah. You know, that's, well, art becomes super important, right? Like, it's like, why am I coming home completely exhausted and not able to write music? You know, those things start to press more, I think, for me. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, that's why I do this, right? Like, yeah. Like, I took a nap because I got to be up at five in the morning. So I took a nap before we were recording tonight because uh, I wanted to do yeah. this. And that's that's where I get my energy, right? Yeah. It, it keeps you alive. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Being able to pursue your own creative projects and being able to have that, because uh, I think people who participate in creative endeavors, the they are elevated by the art and hopefully they also, the you know, they, they produce hopefully elevated art as well. Hopefully. Yeah. I mean. Hopefully. <laughs> the whole idea of. You know, we're all isolated, so we're having time to be alone and really uh, face ourselves and our own reflections and, and funhouse mirrors. But at the same time, we've reached out to 
what's important or those that are important to us. Yeah. So it's been a weird dichotomy of this isolation and, you know, things like Twitch where, you know, going on and just seeing everybody and be able to say hi is, is, is amazing. You don't take it for granted. And if you do, you're kind of stupid. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, for well, real, yeah. it's, the best, it's yeah. the best outreach we have right now for keeping in touch with each other besides like Facebook. Yeah. And, but Facebook comes with all the, the bullshit these days and there's a lot of bullshit these days yeah i find it very draining to be on facebook because i'm just constantly i don't know not fully paying attention or something i don't know it just doesn't i i I am on there and i do enjoy small bouts but if i start going on regularly i i I don't enjoy it no that's entirely fair so we're at about we're at an hour robin what Social media outlets or means uh, are available if folks would like to reach out to you. <laughs> and here's where I say Facebook. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, probably start with Bandcamp, um, Cockatoo Cockatoo. Okay. Um, Bloody Blue Darlings are also on Bandcamp. And both bands are on Facebook if you just look them up. I'm almost at my friends, Max, uh, from my personal Facebook, so I won't suggest that. But um, There's a Max? Yeah. See, things that happen when you speak your mind a lot is you don't find out there's things like friends, Max. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I've tried to keep it pretty small, but it just somehow it, it escalates. So, um, yeah, Cockatoo and Bloody Blue Darlings are both on, on Facebook. Bandcamp. You can message me through uh, either of those platforms, too. All right. Excellent. Well, thank you for taking the time to talk to us tonight. And again, thank you so much for our wonderful theme music. Oh, thank you for for asking me to do it. It was a pure pleasure to do it. Cool. So I guess that wraps it up for this week. Uh, Of course, uh, anybody who's listening before knows to like, subscribe, and share. And if you haven't listened before, Robin. (laughs) 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 So yeah, like, subscribe, share. Feel free to drop us a line on Facebook, which more people have been doing. And that's really exciting. We do reply. We do listen to the links you send us. Thank you very much. Do send us emails if that's more your speed. Email is it's midnight somewhere podcast at gmail.com. The Facebook is it's midnight somewhere. You can find us on both. We have stickers. We have parties on Friday nights for Psalms or first Fridays will be prophecy. This coming first Friday, if you join in and how's the button thing working, Laura? It sounded like you figured that out. Oh, well, February 5th is the first Friday of February, which will be our anniversary party because believe it or not, Prophecy has been around for five years at this point. And we have Alistair Meowly buttons that will be available. There will be a link where they can be purchased. It will be a grand total of $5, including shipping within Canada or the US. If you're in Europe, we'll have to make arrangements for you if you really want one. Uh, But otherwise, we'll be happy to drop that in the mail for you. The details of that will be available on that particular date when we do Prophecy. The stickers that we have for It's Midnight Somewhere are available at morbidoutlook.com slash sticker. So until next time. So I got I got one thing. I got one thing before we 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 dump out. Just one thing. Just one thing before we dump. Uh yeah. I did I said that on purpose. <laughs> Poop jokes. Um 
No, I, I was going to say, we, we played a cockatoo song. Maybe we play out on a Bloody Blue Darling song and have Robin pick that. Yeah, that would be great. I was hoping you'd ask. <laughs> How about Deadly Indigo? Do it.
This podcast was almost called Timmy. Do you know what a plate job is? <laughs>